Friday, and that means it's listener questions live on the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. I am Anthony Cazenza, joined by my partner in crime, John Sheeran. Sun's out, guns out. John, how you doing, bud? Dude, I'm I'm so good right now. Um, I, I was I was out with a friend last night, and I wake up this morning, and something just told me to check our GoFundMe for the OBI Charity Fest Foundation. And we crossed $2,021 sometime last night. I think we were up to a total of $2,066, which is just absolutely incredible. Now, 16 days into this, and we've we've reached our goal. We're going to be able to make sizable donations of up to $700 for all three foundations. I, I'm, on, I'm on such a high right now, and I, like my mood cannot be better right now. I agree with you, and this this we had some lofty, lofty donations from some great Bengals fans. You know, we did kind of one last little rally cry yesterday. We got pretty close. We were over about sixteen hundred dollars. Um, we had a two hundred dollar donation come in, um, and then the the Bengals captain Jeremy Jeremy Conley came in, and uh, I know he went anonymous with it, but we got to give him a tip of the the captain's hat to him. Uh, donating $349, really putting us over the top. And then, of course, a couple of others, uh, Eric and Satyam Sarma uh, coming in with some donations. Bengal Jim donated a little bit too. So we we got uh, a lot of people donating, which is really, really awesome. And, you know, we this wasn't about us. This isn't about raising money for John and I to put in our pockets or anything like that. This is just about doing something for these great causes we had uh, either the players themselves or representatives for the players in the inaugural ring of honor in the form of Ken Riley, the second Ken Anderson and Anthony Munoz over the course of two weeks. Hopefully you checked out those episodes and enjoyed those, but we wanted to say congratulations. Thank you. And uh, you know, obviously show some appreciation for the work that their foundations do. And uh, so we, we appreciate what they do. We appreciate all the donations. We're still going to leave this up. Well, maybe probably, through the Bengals' first preseason game here, and then we might close it down and, and go from there. So if you want to get a little bit, we, we exceeded our goal. If you want to really push it further past it, we would appreciate that. Really, uh, really excited about all of that. Really, really cool, and I hope all of you get to enjoy that as well. Now, we're going to get to some listener questions, and we want yours to come our way. You can get them to us in a variety of ways via email, theobinsider at gmail.com. You can call or text 949-542-6241. We welcome anybody. Don't be shy to call. If you're if you're a shy person, don't worry about it. Call in. Uh, text if, if you're super shy, text. Go ahead. Uh, and then, of course, we've got a number of live chats, whether that's on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook, on the Cincy Jungle Post. We've got a lot of different live chats going. No excuses to not get your questions in. We're going to get to as many as we can as the Bengals travel to Tampa Bay to take on the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers for preseason week one. John, you want to start us off here? Yeah, so I think we had something. Let's see here. All right, so we got our good friend Brian in Iowa in the YouTube chat. He's asking, who is the best current Bengals player you'd be willing to trade for a solid offensive line piece? Putting you on the spot a little bit. Um... Well, I guess you'd probably need to look at some of the – there's a couple of ways to look at this. You could look at some of the deeper 
position groups. Always leave it to Brian with these with these awesome questions. He's always he's always getting the the gears going. What a one to kick off things with here. Uh, look, I, you could go with some of the deeper positions. You could say wide receiver, maybe an Auden Tate or someone like that could fetch you fetch you something on the open market. Uh, an Auden Tate, a guy who's fourth on on your depth chart, probably wouldn't get necessarily a high end starter, but it could get you someone who's serviceable. Maybe a swing guy that could play multiple spots, that sort of thing, provide you with some depth. Um, you know, I, I think the, unfortunately the tight end group is very, very, uh, it, there's a lot of question marks there. There are a lot of question marks there, but some players in that position group at the top of the depth chart may be able to provide you with someone on the offensive line. And the tight end isn't necessarily a focal point in a Zach Taylor, Sean McVay Rams style type of offense. So maybe that makes some sense. Uh, you could even go to the running back well, I guess, if you wanted to do that. Uh, I, I wouldn't tinker with the defensive line. I still think there are some questions there, and I think you want to hang on to some players there. But I, I think you probably go uh, maybe look at a wide receiver, maybe look at someone in the secondary, I guess, if, if you think you can get some value for, for a player. Obviously a hypothetical, but a good one by Brian. Yeah, the best player is probably Joe Mixon for me, but that's just me. And that's going to be an unpopular opinion. It's not at all practical or likely with what the situation is. Um, if you're looking for maybe more realistic answer, mm, well, I don't know. Like, honestly, it, it's it's tough because no one wants to give away solid offensive linemen unless there's just problems with their current team or maybe they don't think they're getting enough playing time. It's just a miscommunication. It, it, it's, it's just tough. It's tough to acquire good offensive linemen this close to the season or just in general because whenever they're on the open market, they usually get paid a lot more than what we expect them to get paid for, and they go early in the draft because there's just a shortage in the league right now. So right now I don't think that the Bengals have anyone really worth any value that they're willing to give away for an offensive lineman that could be starting for 31 other teams. So they're kind of stuck with where they are right now, unfortunately. And if in order to get – Someone that's going to make a difference, it's going to take someone who makes a difference for them. And in my opinion, that that someone could be Joe Mixon. But again, not saying it's going to happen, not saying that it would ever be in consideration. That's just kind of where my head would be at, though. Unfortunately, this, well, depending on how you want to look at it, fortunately or unfortunately, this is the basket that the Bengals design wherein they put all their eggs this offseason. They believe that Frank Pollock can coach these guys up the right way. They believe that Jonah Williams is going to take the next step in his career. They believe Riley Reef will stabilize the right tackle position. They believe that they'll find solutions with the guards they have and, and can groom Jackson Carmen. That's that's the, the message that they have given all of us again this year. It's been a little bit similar to the past couple of offseasons where we've been very uncomfortable with, with the offensive line and how it's constructed, but that's – that's where we're at with things right now. They're going to put a lot of faith in Frank Pollock to coach these guys up and get the run game going, get things to be a little bit more balanced up front there. There was a, an interesting argument. I, I I didn't pull up the tweet, I, and I can't, so I can't reference exactly who it was. But really, you know, there was, there was someone who had brought up, a Bengals fan brought up the topic, John, of, you know, a lot of people are talking about the Bengals and the, the reason they took Jamar Chase instead of Penny Sewell, and that was a mistake. But this person pointed out, and maybe rightfully so, the conversation may have should be shifted and focused upon why they took Jackson Carmen instead of a Tevin Jenkins, instead of a uh, Trey Hill, or uh, you know, um, 
I think Trey Smith, excuse me, yeah. um, who went like in the sixth round, that sort of thing. And and that's the, maybe more of the conversation points. I think we all like what we've seen from Evan McPherson, but Trey Smith was there when they drafted a kicker instead, and they're having problems at guard. And Trey uh, Trey Smith is is looking pretty good in camp and preseason. So, I mean, that I thought that was an interesting kind of spin on the offensive line discussion. I, I I'll try and find that tweet to to give props to the right person, but I thought that was something that I saw across my timeline that was interesting. Yeah, just a quick FYI to anyone out there. Tevin Jenkins is, I think, yet to yeah. practice for the right. Bears right now because of an injury that was known before the draft, which is kind of why he fell. And speaking of falling in the draft, that's exactly what Trey Smith did because he had medical issues coming out of college with blood clots, but he was a really good player in college, and now he's healthy, and now he's dominating with the Chiefs. So, yeah, I, I think in terms of uh, medical questions, I think Carmen had the least amount coming in, even though he had surgery on on his back or whatever in the offseason but there's a reason why those two were passed up at at the junctures that they were passed up on and it's kind of what it is right now wouldn't be wouldn't be a friday listener questions live without terrell calling in we got our buddy terrell on the line what's going on terrell week week one of the preseasons underway man how you doing how you guys doing, man? Y'all, y'all been doing a great job. I just wanted to tell y'all that, man. I just hope when y'all get big, man, don't, <laughs> don't forget about us, man. Don't start talking about cowboys and spillers and stuff. But, <laughs> well, uh, don't don't uh, don't forget about us either, man. But uh, yeah, definitely won't. But uh, I just want to say, man, you kind of stole the. Uh, what I was going to say, man, I'm a little salty and discouraged about Jackson Carmen right now. And on top of that, uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm happy with Deontay Smith. He's doing his thing. And I was going to say that, well, it's kind of worse. Jonah Williams, man, you could be a pro bowl guard, man. But you want to, but you want to, if you would just suck up your pride and just do what you want to do, me, I understand. But I just feel like you is on the side of the top. Wow. But that's just me, though. Yeah. But, and, um, I, and then the other thing I did want to say, uh, dang, man, uh, the Jesse Bates thing, man, yeah. oh, my goodness. It, it, it just, y'all was so thirsty to pay Hubbard, and I understand that that's cool, and he a hometown guy, and I love him too, though. But uh, and, and for his, uh, for him, he looking like one of the jokes, one of the both brothers out of uh, a training camp, but that's cool. But it just, this Dak thing just remind me of the best Dak Prescott thing with the Cowboys and I really do hope we do get it resolved. And I just want to leave y'all with a whole day and thank y'all. All right. Thanks, Terrell. A couple of great, great topics to talk about. Great hearing from you as always, buddy. Take care. Uh, no problem. Bye. Uh so let's start. I mean, we can kind of continue a little bit on the offensive line. I don't want to beat the dead horse proverbially speaking there, but uh, I mean, look there's the, the the conversation about Jonah Williams kicking inside. That was kind of a talking point, especially if Panay Sewell was going to be in the plans. Here, here's the deal, though. I mean, they are utterly committed to Jonah Williams being the team's left tackle. He supposedly is looking pretty good at camp. Uh, we, we heard from Ben Baby. He's had some moments of struggles, but he's had a couple of nice moments in his showing continued improvement, which you like. Riley Reef has had some issues, but uh, I mean, Jonah Williams at guard for the Cincinnati Bengals, despite the short arms, John was never, that, that was never going to be in the plans. He was their left tackle when they drafted him. And that was the plan. They, they had to buy their way out of this mess essentially. And they kind of didn't, they kind of did, but they kind of didn't. They spent some money with Riley Reef, and that was it. And if you're not going to spend the money to buy your way out of the problem, you have to have a certain amount of luck 
to get yourself out of the problem, and that is represented with Jackson Carmen. Offensive linemen in their first year, they typically struggle, or at the at the very best, they're average players. I think what you see from or what you saw from Quentin Nelson a couple years ago, what you saw from Tristan Wirfs last year, those guys are the exception to the rule. Not a lot of these guys can come into the NFL, despite where they played in college, and produce at a high level, no matter which position they're on at offensive line. Now you're looking at Carmen, who I think we can agree is probably better fit to be a guard, but that's still a transition for him to make. And the coaches are clearly giving him some motivation to get better because you don't want your second-round pick being the third string at any position, no matter where he plays. So, yeah, it's it's looking rough for it right now, but I think they should have been probably more prepared for this to happen, and they probably should have spent some more on a guard, some more on a guard instead of moving Jonah Williams, who is a fine tackle, like you said, to a position that he's never really played before. So this is a good transition into the second topic that Terrell brought up on on the line here, and it seems weird to correlate a safety with offensive line play. But here's the deal now, John. Since we took the air Wednesday and we kind of talked about an impasse in the supposed impasse in the Jesse Bates contract negotiations with the Cincinnati Bengals, a report by Jeremy Fowler of ESPN. Bates took the microphone the day after we took the microphones and, uh, you know, kind of was like, well, I'm not, I, I guess I'm not valued as one of the top safeties in the league, something to that effect. And here, here's the thing, John, they, they put Jesse Bates, the team did on all these marketing, uh, you know, materials, I guess, or social media endeavors. And, you know, he's one of our core guys, one of our, that was the messaging we all got. They said they didn't want to pay top money in the free agent market on a guard because they needed the money to extend Hubbard, extend Bates and keep their core guys intact. And they like the guys that they have inside. I understand the Hubbard contract. I like it. I think, I think that's a good move. We knew that was going to be easier to get done besides Bates, just because of the level of play. My problem is and I'm not hitting the panic button on the Bates deal yet, John, but my problem with it is you, you told us you couldn't afford the higher end offensive line players. Now we're hearing about offensive line issues. And here we are now weeks into training camp and the Jesse Bates deal still isn't done. And it sounds like it's probably a money issue or something to that effect. I would think being that they're far apart. So it's a little frustrating when you kind of break it down that way, at least in my mind. So I haven't really talked about this on the show yet, so I'm just going to get some of these some of these thoughts out here. And since the more topical discussion is Jesse Bates' interview with two Bengals employees, Dan Horde and Dave Lapham, I don't know why you put Jesse Bates in front of your team-owned camera with your team-owned microphone with your two team employees there and then ask him about the contract situation. There is nothing that they could have gained asking <laughs> that question. There is nothing that could have gone well for them asking right. that question. The best possible answer that they could have expected from Jesse Bates is, I don't really want to comment on that. You know, my agent's doing his job and, you know, the Bengals are, are doing it with them and it'll all work out to the best. No, Jesse Bates set the entire Twitter world on fire when he said, oh, I guess I'm just not the best safety in the league yet. I just I got, I got more stuff to prove. And that, of course, led to everyone saying, oh, my God, they're lowballing Jesse Bates. This deal is not going to get done. What are the Bengals doing? They completely bungled his offseason. There was nothing to gain from two Bengals employees asking that question. I understand if it would just be some random media member out there asking about the contract situation. There's something that they could do to control that. Dan Horde and Dave Lapham get their checks from the front office. The front office is trying to do this work. What do they have to gain by doing it? I didn't understand it at all. I still don't understand it 24 hours later. But anyways, beyond that, 
there's still a month to go before the regular season. And I think for the last several weeks now, we, when we've talked about Jesse Bates' contract, I've compared it to the A.J. Green situation from back in 2015. A.J. Green waited until Des Bryant and Demarius Thomas both signed their extensions over the summer. It took until the very last weekend of the offseason for the Bengals to ink A.J. Green to a four-year, $60 million deal. I think Jeff Hobson said it was right before Green went onto the plane for them to play the Oakland Raiders. I think if it happens in this offseason, it's going to happen right around then. That's typically when a lot of the Bengals extensions happen. And honestly, there's no reason yet to expect that this deal will not get done sometime before Bates has to basically test the free agent market. R very rarely do they let these guys kind of walk out. I think Jonathan Joseph and Carl Lawson are the only two examples that I can think of in the last 10 years where they've let a guy who's supremely talented, very young, coming off his rookie contract, and they don't extend him. So until we get to September and these reports are still here, I think we should all just calm down about it. Shameless self-promotion on my end here, but I think it is kind of some some interesting information. There is a contract offer out to Jamal Adams, which is a four-year, $70 million contract, about $17.5 million per year annual average. Um, and it's about $38 million guaranteed on that contract. That's the offer that the Seahawks have out to Jamal Adams, and reports are that they are staying firm there. They are not going to move from that offer. That would make uh, Jamal Adams the highest-paid safety in the league. Additional information, Justin Simmons, another very, very good safety, a top safety in this league. His contract earlier this year was a four-year extension, which was about $61 million, and that was $35 million guaranteed, I believe, is what the numbers were on that one. So, I mean, you, obviously, Jesse Bates' camp are looking at these numbers and probably somewhere in the middle of that or in that in that same ballpark, you would think. I tend to think just knowing what I know with the Cincinnati Bengals, the guaranteed money aspect has to be the issue. They, they do not like to pay guaranteed money to, to players. Um, that's just kind of not not their deal. And that's kind of what hinders them in outside free agency a lot of times. But that's that's what we're looking at there. And additionally, frustrating to the Jesse Bates situation is to me, John, you see what's happening in the division to their to their rivals in Pittsburgh. They shed the contract for David DeCastro and they turn that into, you know, Trey Turner and now Joe Schobert. And I mean, I, I, you know, this was a team that was salary cap strapped and everybody was like, oh, they can't do anything. I mean, they got rid of David DeCastro, who has been an outstanding offensive lineman, but was hurt this year and didn't play as well last year. They got rid of that contract off the books and were able to do different things and make more moves to bolster their team. Now, what that will do for them in terms of wins, losses, I don't know, but they're making moves and they're trying to do things. They're not sitting on their hands and getting in these contract impasses like the Bengals are with their star player, whom they've said they want to get this deal done with. They have the room. Like, There's no reason why this shouldn't get done. I, I think it, it will test their metal a little bit because you mentioned the guaranteed money aspect with it. I think the most that they've ever paid in a contract in terms of guaranteed salary and signing bonus is A.J. Green. And that was, I think, $26 million fully guaranteed with like thirty, like an, an additional $6 million on top of that. So like 32 of the $60 million in total was guaranteed. I think Bates is going to get a little bit more than that. And if the Jamal Adams contract is true... I, I think Bates is going to get some number well into the 30 millions in terms of guaranteed. And that's, I think going to test the Bengals a little bit. I, I based off what he, what he said, like the offer is nowhere probably near that. And it's not about the total money. It's not about the average money per year. It's all about that. And, you know, Bates agency athletes first, they, they get those guys paid and there's no reason for on their side to, 
kind of rushed this before other guys are going to get paid. And obviously if you're the first to get paid, you're typically going to get paid the lowest. So that's just kind of how these things work. Yep. Well, let's, let's keep rolling on before we do. And you, you pick the next one, John, I would just want to remind folks, get in touch with us, call or text 949-542-6241. We heard from some really, really great people last week, along with our, our, also our great buddy Terrell, who, who calls us, uh, often we love hearing from him. So call or text. We've got some texts queued up. Email the obinsider at gmail.com. We've got a Cincy Jungle post with a live comment stream. We've got uh, Twitter's Twitter accounts where you can submit questions. Of course, our YouTube channel and our Facebook page. All that stuff is open for you to submit questions. We're going to be here for a little while longer, answering as many as we can as the Bengals get set to take on the Buccaneers in week one of the preseason. Yeah, so let's kind of talk about that game and kind of preview it for a little bit. We have a question from Mike Rosson on YouTube. He's asking who will be our starting offensive line in Saturday's game. Well, I think it's going to be the offensive line that you see on the depth chart. You have Jonah at left tackle, Quinn Spain. Uh, Trey Hopkins is not playing, so that's Billy Price at center. Michael Jordan at right guard and really reef at right tackle. But I guess the real question is, Anthony, how early do some of these other guys who are competing for these spots come into the game? You have Deontay Smith. Coming in at left guard, you have Jackson Carmen as the third string right guard. I guess it's really about how long does that first string offensive line stay out and how early do these guys kind of get into the game? And will they see some of the prominent players from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the other side? I agree with you that that's probably what we're going to see in terms of uh, a lineup early. Here's the here's the question. I was trying to pin that one. The, the offensive line configuration the starting one is probably what you will see on the depth chart that's why they had the depth chart that specific way the question i have john is is it that way for some of these guys as a almost one of their final chances to prove it hello mike jordan i'm talking to you um or is it is it just the fact that hey these are the five guys at these five spots wherein we are the most comfortable at this point in time. I don't know. It's a big, big test. It's a, I know it's a preseason game. Starters aren't going to get a lot of time in week one, all of that, but it's going to be a big, big, big test for some of these guys on the offensive line based on that Tampa Bay defense and what they like to do up front. They like to get after the quarterback and it could, it could get pretty ugly fast if there's going to be a lot of similarities to what we saw in the offensive line last year going up against this Tampa Bay defense. And I, I sure hope not. I, I'd like to see some improvement. I'm pulling for, I, I told, I think it was you, or I, I can't remember who it was, but I want Mike Jordan to do well. But I mean, we've seen tape for the first two years of his career and we now have some competition and we've heard some things in this camp. I, you know, I, I, if he's the best guy, go for it, let's do it. But you know, at this point, it, there's still a lot of question marks on this offensive line. And um I don't know how confident I am in that starting five that they're probably going to trot out there against Tampa Bay. The Billy Price and Michael Jordan that we both know, they're not going to survive against Vita Vea and Dominican Sue for however long that they're out there. And also I think that they wouldn't, it feels like they wouldn't be starting Michael Jordan if they feel like this is not what they need to do right now. I feel like out of Jackson Carmen and Xavier Sufilo, they would rather start one of those two guys because those are guys that, have been brought in by this new offensive line um, coach and and just the offensive staff in general. I feel like if they're throwing out Jordan there in this first game, 
it's either they feel like he's the best option right now or there's just no really good option right now at, at that position and they're just giving it to the guy who's been here the longest just just to see if he can kind of take a hold of this opportunity and run with it we've heard a lot about Jordan this offseason and, and the supposed you know improvements that he's made and just the overall just the, the way that he's come back from a, a tumultuous 2020 but we have to see it to believe it, honestly. Like we haven't heard that much good things about him in training camp. I think that's just the general theme with the offensive line in general. But like we said when the the death chart first came out, like if he's not good against Tampa Bay, I don't think he's going to last long in the starting lineup. Anyways, his chances are definitely running out, and I don't think that they would be putting him in the starting lineup in general if they didn't feel like this was what they have to do right now. If if Carmen is just not improving or he's not impressing. Xavier Suofilo has remained. Xavier Suofilo, who he's been for the last eight years, then it's Jordan's to lose right now, and he's not going to get unlimited chances to fail. Yeah, again, I I just – I'm not overly clear on the mindset of – the, 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 I mean, obviously you want, you want Jonah in there. You want to see reef in there, get some, get some work. And um, I don't know what, you know, you heard from Ben baby on Wednesday. I don't know what the plan of attack is with Trey Hopkins at this point in time, how much, I mean, he's been cleared to practice, but obviously Ben baby noted at practices that he's been in and out of the lineup and not getting a full slate of work, which is understandable given his knee injury in the last game of this of last season. So, you know, you kind of figured he was going to be slow going. You, we all assume he's going to be there week one, but we'll see. It's really the interior of the offensive line, John, that uh, needs a lot of work. And, you know, I don't know, again, I'm not sure of the mindset. It seems like uh, we, there's, there's more to do, uh, obviously more to sort out there. Why don't you go ahead and pick the next one? We've got a call coming in as well. All right, so let's see here. Let's survey this. Hmm. All right, let's go to K. Dot Chess Champ. Do you think that they use Thad Moss this season if he makes team cuts? Well, I think he is going to make team cuts in all likelihood. He's getting those backup reps behind both True Sample and CJ Uzoma, but. As far as how much you use a third string tight end in an offense that only uses one, I don't think he's going to be out there very much unless injuries happen. I think it's a great story. Obviously, the connection with Burrow and him as well. But I, I think right now, the preseason is when we're going to see the most Thad Moss unless, unfortunately, Uzoma goes down with another injury. Something happens with Drew Sample. I don't see either of those guys really playing poorly to the point where they're going to have to throw in Thad Moss. Maybe a couple plays a game if they have something with Burrow up their sleeve. But I think the preseason is one you're going to see the most of Thad Moss for sure. Well, you are the resident Thad Moss guy, John. Uh, <laughs> I know you love you love talking about him, but he's here. He's making some plays in training camp, and I think he's got a shot to make the roster. Our buddy Chris Rowling over at Bengals Wire kind of wrote wrote up something. I didn't read all of it. I read kind of part of it, but um, just kind of noting that he's making some plays and showing off in camp a little bit. It's a thin position group in terms of – in terms of overall talent. So, I mean, there may be a, a back-end roster spot available for him to take. So we'll see what happens. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. As I mentioned, we do have a caller on the line. It's Derek. Derek, what's going on? What's going on, Anthony and John? Great to be on the show. I love the show. First time caller, long time watcher and listener. You guys love <laughs> the show. So Appreciate wanted it. Wanted to get in here. Um, I love all the content you guys put out on a regular basis. It's so great to get the fan pipes about this team. We're all excited about this preseason league. About to get ready. I was. I don't know if you uh, touched on the Trayvon Williams injury. That's really disappointing to hear about his injury. That was exciting to see him in the preseason. But I'll keep this quick. I have a really hyper-specific Bengals question for you. Okay. All right. All right. You're not going to see this on PFF or any analytics grades anywhere. But one thing that I noticed of Jermaine Platt, I'm excited because we need those linebackers to come in strong this year. Mm-hmm. With you know, hopefully the defensive line will be stronger up front to get those blockers off of our middle linebackers because we didn't bring back Jonathan Bynes. That's why he got signed. Good, you know, glad to see he got paid again because he was a good contributor last mm-hmm. year. But Jermaine Pratt, he's been showing some flashes. But one thing that's always bothered me is he always has his mouth guard out every single play. Like, it's not like he's, you know, tired or out of breath, but he's always got his mouth guard out. Like, he's not ready to hit somebody. So, I don't know if you ever noticed that, but what do you think about our linebacker core in general? Otherwise, I appreciate it. Uh, I, all right, appreciate it, Derek. I have not uh, – good question about the linebackers. I have not noticed the Jermaine Pratt mouthpiece situation, mouth guard situation. Um, uh, so, I don't I don't know exactly what – some. do you remember – it might be just one of those things that players do is kind of a little superstition thing. Like, remember it was – was it – was it Favre or Manning that always or Drew Brees, right? Would lick his lick his fingers at before like every snap and all that. Right. Players do all kinds of, of funky little stuff, and maybe it's just one of those things. It's kind of a, I don't know, a, a decorative security blanket thing that he doesn't really use as a as a part of his football equipment. I don't know, but interesting observation. And I, I will say that the linebacker group. I, I'm I'm excited. I'm not. I don't have extremely high expectations for the group, John. But I am excited about some of the players in this group. I think Logan Wilson is showing some nice things already in camp. They've entrusted him with the microphone and the helmet to call plays, all of that. Um, so Akeem Davis Gaither. I hope they find a, a nice role for him to do a, b- a bunch of different things. And uh, you know, Bailey was carted off at practice a, a few days ago. Came back. I think it was just cramps. So. I mean, there, there's some good. There's some good there. I still think there's a lot of growth that needs to be had because they're relying on a lot of young guys. But you know, the hope is that those guys not only grow themselves, but the improvement and the added personnel on defense, primarily on that defensive line, will help them do their jobs a little bit at a, at a little bit higher level in general as well. I think. I think. Um... Based off everything that we've heard about training camp, there's not really a player on defense who isn't improving or impressing right now. And I think it was Jay Morrison of the Athletic who said that Jermaine Pratt was having, was indeed having a strong camp, and that should be the expectation at this point. He was a third round pick. This is year three. He's entrenched in the starting lineup. This is what he needs to do. But you know, it's always been flashes with Pratt, and it's not really come together fully consistently. And so, yeah, I, I think. Him and Wilson are fine as your linebackers if they're solid enough. You don't need tremendous investment in that position. You just need to hit on some athletes. And Pratt certainly is of that athletic variety. I'm kind of talking in a weird way because I'm trying to share my screen here to 
confirm what Derek was talking about um, regards of Jermaine Pratt, and it it, it is true. <laughs> I, I'm looking at some pictures here, and I I think I did notice this sometimes, but Jermaine Pratt does indeed just have a mouth card hanging like that. I don't know if it is. It might it might be superstitious. I don't. I've never played football. I never put on a helmet and went out on the field. I don't know what it's like to have a mouth guard in at all times. I know that there's a reason for it, but you know, if, if, if he plays better, if he moves better, if he thinks better with, with it, just hanging from his, from his face mask there, you know, more power to him. I see. Go ahead. I, I mean, I mean, I, I'll, did he say something about Travion Williams being injured? Yeah, I'm looking for that. that. I haven't, I haven't seen, uh, I haven't seen some news on that one. There, I've been kind of scouring since he said that. I hadn't heard about that, so we'll have to keep the uh, the ears and eyes open on that one. At least I, I haven't seen it. I don't know about you. I, I have not. No, I think there was an article about Travion Williams in Cincinnati.com that just got posted. So, right. I feel like if it was an actual like serious injury, then I think we, I think we probably would have heard about it by now. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Jermaine, Jermaine Pratt with the with the mouthpiece. I mean, I assume if it's not if it's not in before the play, uh, I assume that has to do obviously with some sort of communication type of thing. I, I, that's just my thought on that. Um, and then you know if it's not in during the play, I don't I don't really know, but uh, only he can answer that. But that is something I will be for sure for sure keeping an eye on now. Just one of those uh, oddball things that um, is an observation from somebody. Where where are we going next, John? Uh, so we had a question. <laughs> Sorry, I was reading some comments. We had a question from Joshua Patterson. Do you think Asai, Cam Sample, Tyler Shelvin could be our future starters with maybe someone like Reader or someone else in the fourth spot? I mean, those guys were all drafted this year. You know, they were pretty solid college players. I, I think the entire defensive line is just loaded with investment right now. Like you have Hendrickson and Hubbard both under contract for the next four years. You have Reader under contract for three years. Really, the only like true future opening is a defensive tackle, and ideally, Larry Ogunjobi plays well enough where they bring him back for beyond twenty twenty one. But I, I think with Asai specifically, you're looking at someone who could play enough snaps to be considered a starter. But it'll be interesting to see if like how much of a role that Sample can carve out for him and how much that Shelvin can get on the field for being just a backup nose tackle. Like those guys are obviously going to be counted on for the future. But I think in terms of starter and that responsibility, like there's a lot of investment there with a lot of contracts. So it's like if those contracts play out, you're not really going to get to see these guys be starters up until maybe their second contracts. I am. I really like the picks of Cam Sample and and Joseph Osai. It's I hope they get an opportunity you know, not not necessarily total starter reps or anything like that, but I hope they get an opportunity to get some 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 good snaps on defense and in positions where they can shine. And obviously, Osai is still a, a bit raw; he's a young guy, but they like what he can do off the edge and his athleticism. Samples a guy that will probably move around the line quite a bit. He's a little, uh, little stockier, and 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 uh, you know, I think they, they they think he could do a lot of different things along the line, and you know, I think he was one of the guys too that Ben Baby mentioned. It was was looking pretty pretty decent for a rookie in some of the camps here, but you know, I, I I'm excited for those two picks, and I'm excited that they have added depth, pass rush depth 
um, at least in, in for certain packages. And there was a, another tweet again, I can't I think it was maybe Warren Sharp or someone on Twitter. I can't remember, but basically give me your, your team's pass rush look and an obvious pass down or something to that effect. And, you know, I mean, there's a lot of different looks that the Bengals could trot out there, right? You could go, you could go Hubbard sample Osai and, and, you know, throw in somebody else. You could go uh, Daniels, Ogan Joby. And, and you know, I mean, sample Osai Hubbard. And uh, you know, I mean, you could, you could go all kinds of different, different routes with this here and, and see what, what comes of it. But I'm excited for those rookie guys and I hope they get at least some decent amounts of snaps if they prove that they're able, because I, th- I think they could provide, provide a spark. And I know that this coaching regime isn't necessarily as hesitant to play rookies right away as the Marvin Lewis regime was particularly in the, particularly in the latter years of that, of that era. Yeah. So again, it, you need a lot of you need a lot of bodies to rotate on on the defensive line, and even if those guys aren't starters immediately, or maybe they're not starters next year, you know that they're going to get plenty of snaps. Injuries happen at those positions all the time. I think specifically with Sample and Asai, you just need as many bodies who can rush the passer as possible. Especially if you're not getting that specifically from maybe some of your starters, you just need a little boost off the edge. I think Sample was talking about, I think in his like presser that he was moving around the defensive line as well. So that was kind of expected too. He's not just going to be on the edge. He's going to be moved inside a three technique or something like that. Seeing those guys eat in the preseason though, is going to be fun. Like to see where they're lined up to see how they're rotated it in to see, you know, what they're doing with, with some of these blitzes. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of carries over into the regular season. And even if they aren't starters by the se- by like the next couple of years, if they're just doing their job, you know, when they're rotated in on second and long and third down, that's going to be fine for third and fourth round picks. Going to be here for a couple more minutes. You can call or text 949-542-6241. Don't be shy. You can email us, theobinsider at gmail.com. You can get your questions to us in a number of different live chats that we've got going, whether it's on Twitter, whether it is on our YouTube channel, on Cincy Jungle's Facebook page, the post on cincyjungle.com, any of that. Uh, get them to us. We will get to as many as we can as we spend just a couple more minutes for you before the Bengals take on the Buccaneers in week one of the preseason. If you're new to this show, please subscribe to our the Cincy Jungle podcast channel wherever you get your audio podcasts and make sure you leave a review for us. That would help us out, whether it's out for our show, Orange is the New Black with Ace and Zim, Matt Minnick's Chalk Talk, all of the content that we bring on the on the Cincy Jungle podcast channel. Subscribe and check it out if you would. We've had a lot of cool guests on our show, and I know the other guys have done a lot of cool things on their show as well. So check that out when you get the chance. If you like the video broadcasts, make sure that you click the little logo right right by John's microphone there. You can click that to subscribe to our YouTube channel and make sure you turn on notifications and uh, get notified when we go live. And you can get this this show on YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all the major ones, and uh, get it get it how you can. Appreciate the support. Uh, I, I saw this one. I haven't heard all that much, John. This was this was from Twitter. Jake Jake War and a a lot of numbers there. Uh, heard any hype on Shelvin, meaning Tyler Shelvin at all? I'm hopeful he carves out a role this year. I haven't heard as much on him as I have with Tupo 
Tupo is, is apparently looking pretty good as, as the backup nose to reader and Larry Ogunjobi opposite them on the other interior uh, defensive line position is looking really, really good by, by reports. So again, it's, these guys are looking good, but we're also talking about offensive line issues, particularly in the interior of the offensive line. I did see a photo taken by our, our friend, James Rapine showing Tyler Shelvin and he is just a mammoth of a human being, but uh, I, I don't, I don't know about hype, I, but I haven't heard any bad things either, which is, which is good. He looks big. There's a picture <laughs> of him next to Mike Daniels and he yeah. dwarfed our good friend, Mike Daniels. Yeah. Um, that's what happens when you're six, three, 350 pounds and just 21 years of age. Again, like it's, it's training camp. He's going up against second, third string offensive linemen on a team without very, without very many good offensive linemen. So there's just not that much to say. There's not much that we can legitimately take away until he's out there Saturday night and the two games after that. Like, he's going to make the team. He's going to get plenty of reps in the preseason. That might be where we see him the most this entire year because if Tupo is playing well and if DJ Reader is still healthy, there's only so many snaps you can give to Tyler Shelvin with, unless the other team is running 50 times a game. So we're... I'm interested to see how he does in the preseason, but until that happens, we don't really know that much about it because there's only so much we can take away from a third string nose tackle two weeks into training camp. I think there are basically three major reasons aside from his own talent and, you know, being, being a, a good player and a big, big guy. But I mean, there's three major kind of specific reasons that I think the Bengals really looked at drafting Tyler Shelvin and why they did. So obviously how's DJ reader going to respond? How's he going to come back from his, his injury last year? Um, how's Josh Tupo going to respond? You know, he was away from football and he's, he's kind of been a fringe roster guy at times, but looked good at other times. And then kind of to your final point, John, I don't want to say he was drafted specifically for two games on the schedule that are there annually, but Tyler Shelvin was brought in to play in these AFC North games because particularly against Baltimore, because that team likes to run the ball. They like to do different things. They, they like to ground and pound you a little bit and then kind of use play action. Cleveland likes to run the football a lot. Pittsburgh just invested in Najee Harris with their first round pick. They're going to recommit to the run game. So, you know, I, I don't want to say the, the Bengals drafted him strictly for two games on the schedule, that being the Baltimore games, but I think that's a big reason. And I think the rest of the AFC North division games that they have every year is a big reason why Shelvin's here doesn't hurt to have that guy on your side. I guess you'd rather have him there than face him, especially if he reaches whatever potential that he has. But, I mean, do you just look at what, how Baltimore has, has beat the Bengals in recent years, just running that down the middle? That's how the Browns destroyed him on Thursday night last night. And like you said, that's historically what Pittsburgh does. The entire division, I guess outside of the Bengals, are pretty much stuck in their ways and really know how to win in one way and one way only. And if they want to get out of the division, I guess they have to kind of adjust to, to that norm right now. I, 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 and again, I don't know how much Shelvin gets rotated in when the games actually count. He's going to have to stay healthy. He's going to have to do well in practice and stuff because I, I think you're fine if you have DJ Reader and Josh Tupo if they're both playing well. And you would prefer to have guys who can rush the passer more than you can have guys who can stop the run. But if it comes to that, if it comes to those division games when you have to adjust the active roster a little bit and you have to go a little bit more deep at defensive line, then I, I think you have a point that that's when the value 
of Tyler Shelvin kind of kind of sees its head. And also, you know, they dealt with so many injuries last year. It doesn't hurt right. to kind of cover your bases a little bit to make sure that that does not get repeated again. Right. Yeah. And crappy weather. Teams may rely on the run a little bit more later in the season, especially AFC North teams, the whole deal. Uh, what? We've got time for maybe a couple more here. Do you see one that's striking your interest, John? So I want um, – I think it was – Josh Patterson again, who asked this really early in the show, and he was asking about if Deontay Smith is going to get a chance to get into the starting lineup eventually. And I think this is interesting because the whole thing with him has been a little bizarre for me to see. I think we talked about this with Ben Baby, you know, him getting destroyed at as the backup right tackle to or as the starting right tackle in practice to Sam Hubbard, and then basically saying, okay screw you, we don't need you a tackle, let's put you in at left guard because we need depth behind Quinn Spain. And then apparently he's, he's been doing better there. I guess I go back to a couple years ago when we didn't really expect Michael Jordan to come out of training camp as a starter in 2019, and that's exactly what happened after like the third preseason game. I mean, he was starting at left guard with Trey Hopkins at center when Billy Price started training camp at center. So you know, at least under Zach Taylor, we have seen some unconventional decisions on, on along the offensive line. But of course, that was with an old offensive line coach who's no longer here. I, I think if if he's moved to left guard and he's getting some of these reps with the starters, I think there is a potential chance. It just kind of depends on what Quinn Spain does because I feel like he's probably their most stable option to guard right now. And if he's only if Smith is only getting looks at left guard and he's not even involved with the mess going on at right guard. I don't know how he kind of sneaks in there unless something happens with Quinn Spain and he completely bombs the preseason or something like that. And then you're looking at a disastrous situation right, at guard right. entering the season with a rookie guard who's never played guard before in an actual game. And then whoever is right guard is basically the best of a worst case scenario. So I think even if De- Deontay Smith impresses in, in the preseason, it's going to take a tumultuous preseason for Quinn Spain for him to sniff the starting lineup come week one. So we got a text, and it was a little vague and short, but I think it ties not only to Josh's question that you just referenced here, but maybe I can expand on it in in the way that I've kind of am thinking about this. It was from uh, area code four hundred five: buy or sell Deontay Smith and Jackson or Jackson Carmen. I'm not really sure exactly what that specifically means, but I guess how I would take that is I I, I know it's super early. But I, I think a, a little fun conversation, at least in my eyes, would be who do you think ends up having a better career for, for the Bengals or in the NFL? I know it's very early, but I, I think we're all excited about the length and athleticism of Deontay Smith. He's now showing the ability to, to do some things at guard, with, which a lot of people like. Jackson Carmen, there's been some weight issue stuff, I, I not only at Cle- when, when he was going into Clemson and at Clemson, but now Zach Taylor, I guess, mentioned he needs to shave off a couple of pounds as well. There, there was a quote about that uh, earlier this week. But you can't discount the fact that Jackson Carmen played at a high level, allowed a very low pressure rate at Clemson as a left tackle, blocking for a guy in Trevor Lawrence. So, uh, you know, and, and he's now experiencing a learning curve. All of that kind of to be said, if you were to kind of look in your crystal ball right now, John, do you do you see one of those guys having a better career? Um, and which one, if you do? What a question! Super, <laughs> super early, I know. Like, I think it has to do with opportunity, right? I think there's not a tremendous amount that separates them 
in terms of talent right now. Like one was a second round pick, one was a fourth round pick. The opportunity there is about the same, but they're clearly sending a message to Carmen right now, like get your crap together or you're not going to see the field anytime soon. Whereas Deontay Smith has been more or less getting his crap together and he's been getting more opportunities. I I, I want to see what happens this time next year because I feel like in our minds we thought that, you know, Carmen's the long-term starter at, at guard and then Smith becomes an answer at tackle if Riley Reef moves on. But if Smith is getting reps at guard and they're still open to the possibility of moving Carmen out to tackle, I think that might change things. It might not bode well for Carmen unless he is just a natural tackle and that's just where he belongs. That's where he can play his best. The, the whole situation, just talking about it right now, just kind of puts everyone a little unnerving because like this is supposed to be their answer at guard. And now we don't really know where he belongs because he's not adjusting the guard well. I refuse to answer this question essentially because it's <laughs> way too early. <laughs> I plead the fifth. Um, so yeah, uh, you know what's interesting? We all when when both of these guys were drafted, that we we all said, hey, Deontay Smith is going to probably be the the right tackle. They're going to groom him for a year or two, let him take over for Riley Reef and Carmen, as they have said, is going to be a guard for this team. Well, now you bring up an interesting thought especially with Smith getting work at one of the guard spots, supposedly looking pretty good and Carmen struggling a little bit on the interior. Maybe he needs to play a tackle position and he ends up being the right tackle and Deontay Smith ends up being the interior lineman. But as we all know, Deontay Smith has the the length of a tackle and, and some good athleticism. So they might, they might want him there. One other uh, question. And I know I want to get to, uh, you know, some that, that you find interesting before we hop out of here, John, our buddy, the orange arrow go to food for the game, either tomorrow or just in general with uh, Bengals games. What's your go, what's your go-to food when you watch? Well, I'll tell you what's not. And it's my spontaneous combustion here. We we crossed the $2,000 threshold. I got to hold up the promise and finish this bottle. So I'll give you the Uh, answer after I'm done with this. uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Avoided the lips that time. <laughs> that uh, might have been worse. That might have been worse for you going that way. <laughs> I think my go-to food, like if I'm if I'm at a party or something like that, or if I'm hosting people, I'll make skyline dip and serve it with like chips. Buffalo buffalo chicken dip is always yeah, good too. Buffalo chicken dip. Um, and has a great recipe for that. Um How's that one treating you, by the way? That 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 hot sauce, better than the first one? It, it's all the same. <laughs> There's no improvement at all. Um, yeah, like I, I'm I'm big in the dips. Like I don't need like some big food or anything like that. Pizza's always good too. Yeah, yeah. So we I on my on my side this this week obviously is a little different. Preseason is usually a little different when they play, but. On my side, there's so many times where I'm watching the game in the morning. So we do uh, we do a lot of breakfast stuff where we do we create little breakfast pizzas where we like scramble some eggs and put bacon and all that kind of stuff and bake it. Sounds a little weird, but it's actually delicious. Um, we do like little breakfast casseroles and all kinds of different goodies there. A lot of times because we have to we watch during breakfast. That's kind of our kind of our deal here. But yeah, I mean the buffalo chicken tip dip is a good go to. My sister-in-law makes a really good like a chicken tortilla casserole thing which is really mm-hmm. good kind of a 
yeah, kind of a good little concoction she makes there. So those are some of the things we like to eat. Uh, in case you just missed it, John downed a full jar of extremely spicy hot sauce. This time he did half because we came close last time with our goal since we've surpassed it. He has now, I haven't been punishing myself the same way. I, I, I guess I should, I don't know. I don't know if I should or shouldn't. The only be. reason why I'm doing this is because you're already punished enough with your arm in a cast. Like I feel like I had to throw myself in the ring with this. <laughs> I was to say that. that one's the same, worse. What, what, how are we, how are we doing that? I avoided the lips, which was the biggest problem last time. I, my lips were on fire for like three hours, and then my other lips were on fire six hours later. Um, oh, God. But no, my tongue is just, it, it's dead. It's All right. Dead. All right. Oh, gosh. Oh, there's the lemon juice. What else What else do you want to get to before we hop out of here? Um, let's see here. Here you go. Our buddy Chris, it'll put hair in her chest, John. <laughs> the hot sauce. Yes, Chris, is this how Thad Moss prepares for games? Is he this tough? <laughs> uh, I think we had some. Oh, oh yeah. So there was some news the other day. Josh Bynes signed a one-year deal with the Carolina Panthers. Mm-hmm. And I think we had a question. Um, it was why did we not resign? Is it Philip from Philip? Why did we yes. not resign Bynes? Yeah. So yeah, we talked about some of the linebackers earlier, but I think Anthony. It, the consensus has been the linebackers have impressed thus far with Logan Wilson and Pratt as your starters. And I think Bailey has looked pretty good as a reserve linebacker. So I think the answer to this is just, they didn't really need to re-sign Bynes. I think until we see the linebackers out on the field, the perceive their perception is that it's a weakness of the defense. But I think by all accounts, we've heard it's been anything but a weakness so far. When they drafted three rookies last year, Brought in Austin Calitro, another another guy who never he they they traded him away for Christian Covington. Um, but you know, a lot of new faces in the locker room last year, a lot of young faces in the locker room last year. Josh Bynes was a perfect signing for this team. Was he a perfect player? No, but he was a perfect signing for this team in that position group uh, to stabilize a lot of things. He played pretty well. Didn't do anything absolutely outstanding, but I, I thought he really especially from the year the, the couple of years prior, he he showed a lot of things that I was impressed with comparative to, to the position group. The thing is, is now, like you said, these guys are impressing. They've now got a year in the league under their belts. They got some playing time last year. Did Logan Wilson, Akeem Davis, Gaither, and even Marcus Bailey in, in some respects. So these aren't guys that didn't get any snaps last year. They got snaps last year. And so now it's kind of like, well, not only are they showing us, that they are capable of taking the next step in their careers, but they're also, it's also kind of sink or swim time for some of these guys, because, you know, a guy like Logan Wilson, that's a relatively high investment with a third round pick. And so they probably want to see as an organization, how these guys are able to, to play. And uh, now that they've got a little experience. Pretty much. I think that was the plan going forward. You don't draft these guys this highly without giving them, legitimate opportunities and i think i think he kind of alluded to it like josh Bynes perfectly served his purpose you know he was there to kind of usher these guys into the nfl life and at this point it's time to see what those guys are made of and there's only so much that they can prove if there's a 33 year old aging veteran linebacker out there ahead of them on the depth chart yep anything else you want to get to before we hop out of here i can tell you're in you're in a little bit of pain my friend so i wanted to 
I wanted to address the question from Josh Cook. Why cut Giovanni Bernard Ooh, if yeah. you're not going to pay for Jesse Bates? And yeah. I think you can say this about like a numerous of decisions or whatever. And just in, in general, I think why do this if you're not going to if why do X if you're not going to do Y? I think what we all need to remember with the Bates contract situation and basically anyone in this situation, it's not a matter of we're not going to re-sign Giovanni Bernard because we need the money to pay for Jesse Bates. Like the money is always a factor in that situation, but they're not like they're not short on money for Bates. Like the the the, the release of Giovanni Bernard did not give him the necessary money in order to pay Jesse Bates. The reason why they have <coughs> excuse me, the reason why they haven't paid Jesse Bates yet is because they have a price for Bates and Bates wants more or he wants to wait to see what other safeties are getting paid and then the Bengals want to pay them pay him that before the other safeties get paid because if they wait until the other safeties get paid then they have to pay Jesse Bates even more and that's what Jesse Bates wants because he wants as much money as possible because he is Jesse Bates and he's the top safety in the league the, the Bengals have the amount of money to pay Jesse Bates whatever he wants it's just a matter of principle and it's the it's the price that they have set out for Bates they what they've valued and what they've assessed Bates' price should be. It has nothing to do with necessarily the guys that they cut or didn't pay in order to pay Jesse Bates. It's all just a matter of how they have assessed Jesse Bates at this at this point in time. But obviously, Bates has all the leverage in the world because he is their entire defense, and he's probably going to have another great year, and then eventually they're going to have their hands tied, and they're going to have no choice but to give him what he wants. The the other factor of it, I know they made a move for Reggie Nelson. Uh, you know, God, I guess that would be like almost 10 years ago now. Um, they, they made a move for Reggie Nelson. They re-signed him a couple times. They gave George Aloka a big contract in, uh, you know, the mid-2000s. And, you know, so, I mean, there are, there are some instances where they paid safeties. There are some instances where they paid guards. Bobby Williams was a mainstay on this team, and they paid him pretty well. He was a very good player for this team. But – We've also seen this team totally devalue both of those position groups in the past. They rarely use a first-round pick on players at those position groups. When they've used high picks, hello, Eric Steinbach, hello, Kevin Zeitler, they let them walk after their rookie contract is done because they are they become very good professional players and they feel that because it's not a premium position, they're not going to pay premium money. That could be the this, this situation here with Jesse Bates. I love this question by Josh. This is this is arguably the best question we've received today. We've received a lot of good ones, but this is arguably the, the best one we've received today because this is this is the source of frustration for me in this situation. I'm not panicking about it. I still think this both sides can still get this done, but these are the moves where you go and, and they haven't directly come out. The team hasn't directly come out and say we made this move to to be able to sign Jesse Bates, but that's kind of, we've heard Jeff Hobson talk about that on bangles.com. That's kind of been the assumption. You know, if you're going to free up salary cap space, if you're going to roll over salary cap space, if you're going to prioritize Sam Hubbard and Jesse Bates, then get the deal done, especially if you're not going to go after the high priced offensive lineman, interior offensive lineman and free agency. If you're going to prioritize these guys and they're your quote unquote core players, you, you got to get it done and you don't want to, you don't want to hamstring yourself as a team, but you got to know where the market is. And if you're trying to, uh, if you're trying to reset it or, or if you're trying to get a deal, so to speak, um, which the Bengals have been able to do in some of these summer deals. I just, I don't know. I, I just, I, this one just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And for one of many reasons that Josh Cook brought up. Yeah. And 
Bengals fans have seen this, and I believe the orange, um, the, the orange arrow um, in the comment section, hashtag we love Jesse JB3. That's a hashtag I think that's going around on Twitter right now. We've seen the power of Bengals Twitter with the Galladay and the uh, Great Barrier Reef. I, I think I think this new hashtag is is the new one. Again, it's a long game right now. It's it, that's just what negotiations are. Everyone, everything kind of expedi- expedites when. The deadline comes closer, and I think that's more or less what we're going to see here. It, it's not something that just happens immediately unless it is a situation like Hubbard where, you know, it's Sam Hubbard, and he's not going to get that much money elsewhere, so might as well take th- this nice deal from your hometown team. Jesse Bates is arguably the best player at his position. He wants to get paid accordingly. These things take time, but I think Bates has an understanding of the situation, and he knows that the fans are going to turn on him, but it's nice to see fan support for the team's best player, arguably. I am still optimistic that a deal will get done on this front, but uh, it, it got a little ugly this week. And, um, you know, I think it's going to take some creativity and some flexibility from both sides to be able to get this done. Jesse sounds like he wants to stay in Cincinnati. He's made that pretty clear. Um, and, and the Bengals, like I said, he's been a prominent figure in all their marketing efforts with the New Jersey's and all that kind of stuff. He's been a mainstay in all of that. So you got to figure they, I mean, they want him here too. It's just a matter of the position the contract, the guaranteed money, all that kind of stuff that we've talked about. Any others you want to get to before we bounce out of here, John, where you've been going over an hour? I can't even believe it. This show flew by. Yeah, we probably need to cut this off at this point. But, you know, there's a game tomorrow, and I'm sure we'll have a lot of questions the next time we have this. But, um, yeah, we we have a prediction for tomorrow's game? Prediction? Uh, I... I don't really have a score prediction. Preseason score predictions are so hard to, it'll be like some weird, like 19 to, you know, 12 <laughs> or something like that. Um, because they like go for two and they miss field goals and all, you know, all, you know, all that stuff. But I will, uh, I will say that I think because it's preseason game one, I think we will be pleasantly surprised by, this is my kind of bold prediction, I guess. We'll be pleasantly surprised by both, lines of the Cincinnati Bengals but while that sounds great I don't know how much that actually tells us right I mean because it's preseason game one how 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 did they do against the Tampa starters how did the starters do against the Tampa starters that sort of thing but I think we'll be pleasantly surprised at both lines the defensive line and the offensive line uh tomorrow what it means I'm not sure but that's my prediction what about you yeah I'm not going to give a score prediction because that's just pointless but I predict that Brandon Allen throws for a touchdown. I'll give him that. And throws say, yeah, throws for one, not not runs. Yeah. Um, I think both Seibert and McPherson are going to make a field goal. I think that they said they're going to rotate those guys. And I'll give I'll give Joseph Asai a sack. I'll give him a sack. I think he's going to get a lot of playing time. Good, good. I like it. And uh, I hope that the team just stays very, very healthy. That is the big thing um, this this time of year. Stay healthy, especially your important players. One last time, want to uh, promote our – this will only be active for a couple more days, I think. The Charity Fest, we're at $2,066. Unbelievable. Surpassed our 2021 goal that we had placed there. And if you want to throw in a few extra bucks, if you have not – done so and you want to help out the Munoz Foundation that helps 
youth in their educational endeavors in the greater Cincinnati area, the Ken Anderson Alliance that helps adults with developmental disabilities and giving them uh, some, some work life training and job opportunities. And of course, the Ken Riley Foundation that benefits students in the Central Florida area. That's where all this money is going to. We are splitting it evenly among those charities. So if you haven't gotten your donation in yet, please do. We do have prizes to give away. So we'll be doing that once we close this up. So if you did donate and you haven't gotten us your contact information, your mailing address or what have you, um, please get that to us. Or, you know, if you do win, we will, we will reach out to you for that. But um, just keep that in your back pocket if you did donate. But thank you to everyone who has donated, who will donate. We appreciate that. It's been awesome. Uh, that The fact that we were able to surpass that is is really, really cool. And um, I'm pretty excited about that. It is, it, it is going to be exciting when we withdraw this money and donate it equally to all three of these foundations. It's going to be exciting to let them know that, you know, since they came onto the show and we promoted them, that we're going to give them sizable donations for their very worthy causes. And I think it's also an indication that we should probably do this the next time the Bengals induct players into their ring of honor. We want to keep this somewhat of a tradition to let them, let these players know that their impact is more than just them onto the field. And I think this was obviously a resounding success and a sign that we should kind of continue this going forward. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll figure out something. We don't like to hit people up for money because that's not what we're about, but this isn't about us. This is about these great organizations and celebrating those players and the accomplishments there. That's that's what this whole thing was about, and we can't thank all of you enough for your support there. Please, if you haven't yet, go back and listen to – we had a really busy week. John and I were on Sports with Strawberry Ice on Monday and Wednesday. We had the water cooler chat on Tuesday, so go check that out. And then our big show with Ben Baby of ESPN – Go check that one out. Hopefully you check this one out. The listener questions live. We're going to be doing a post game recap of the game. And uh, we've got a lot more on tap on this show on the Cincy Jungle podcast channel and at cincyjungle.com. Enjoy preseason week one. Let's hope the Bengals win. Let's hope they stay healthy. John, uh, I'll be I'll be doing some work with you this weekend for the site and the podcast. But uh, have a good have a good weekend, my friend. Anthony's back full force at Cincy Jungle. It's going to be a good <laughs> preseason. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. Take it easy, everybody. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the game. And we'll be back to talk about it all with you. See you later. <laughs>